God is faithful, amen? And He is good all the time. God is good. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, as many of you know, if you don't know where that's at, it's right before 2 Thessalonians. Uh, it is in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians was the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and we're going to be looking at his letter to them this morning in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. Before we jump into our message this morning and hearing from God's Word, I have a couple of exciting announcements on behalf of our church board and our, our latest meeting and some decisions that have been made uh, regarding our staff. And so we're excited to make this announcement to you this morning. As you know, Matt uh, Stepp has been with us leading worship for about 90 days now, and he came to us on a temporary part-time basis, and the board has made the decision to make him a permanent part-time worship director for us, and so we are thankful for that. He is going to be with us and continue to be a part of our staff and our leadership team here in Pittsfield. Yes. He is working diligently on our sound issues. We tested this microphone out three times, four times this morning. He's tested it out all week. I said, it's my problem. It's, nobody else has a problem with this mic. I have a problem with this mic. So uh, he's working at that as well, and so we're excited for that. Another announcement uh, regarding our staff is we have made the decision uh, to transition Pastor Greg into a new role, and so he will be, he's been our staff pastor over youth and young families and Samaritan's Closet and anything else that I ask him to do, <laughs> and uh, he has done a great job with that, but it has come time to kind of transition into a new role, and so Pastor Greg is going to be our staff pastor over primarily adult ministries, senior adult ministries, Samaritan's Closet, a lot of the other things that go around in the day-to-day that many people do not see. He will continue his chaplain role uh, with the hospital as well. Uh, he is not leaving us. He is still here, and so we're excited for that. Uh, he's just transitioning to a new focus, and so we're praying for great days ahead uh, for our youth as well as for Pastor Greg and his family as they continue to serve in that faithful role. Would you give him a hand of appreciation as well? Thank you. So we are excited for, for great days ahead and for what the Lord is doing in the life of our church. If you've turned in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to ask you if you would to just stand with me for the reading of God's Word. If you read 1 Thessalonians, and I would encourage you to go on your own time and read the entire letter, some great words there from Paul to the church in Thessalonica, and I believe also to us today, we're going to read chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, and in this final instructions he's giving the church, this is what he says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let me be the first to greet you with happy Thanksgiving week. How many of you are excited for this week? If you didn't raise your hand, I'll pray for you. This is a great week to be thankful. It's a great week to be reminded of all the many blessings that God has given us. And so this morning, 
I want to start this message on being thankful and grateful and blessed by helping us to understand and and again as you know me I like to I like to teach a little bit while I preach and so we need to be on the same page this morning if we're going to get all that we need to get from the message this morning. So we want to define a couple terms as we get started here that we're going to talk about throughout today to make sure we're all on the same page. The first one is this. We're going to define the term joy. If you're taking notes, you can follow along in your outline. The term joy simply means this, a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. That's how Webster defines it. I went and looked it up in my Bible dictionary, and this is what the Bible dictionary defines joy as. Joy is experienced in many circumstances of life and in human relationships. It is especially important in the life of God's people who experience joy in response to all that God has done for them. Would you say amen to that? The next term that we need to define and make sure that we have a common understanding of is, is kind of three different terms all wrapped into one. You know how the dictionary does that. They try to save space, believe it or not. The term thanks or thankful or thanksgiving. Webster defines it as an expression of gratitude, especially to God. That's Webster's definition. Here's what the Bible dictionary says. The offering of thanks especially for gifts received. Scripture emphasizes the importance of giving thanks to God for all of His gifts and works, both as an expression of our dependence upon Him and gratitude to Him. When I think about my own life, there are things that bring me great joy in life. And you can probably think of some of those very same things in your life. Things that you know when they're going to happen, you're going to get such pleasure and happiness from. In my life, I think about this time of year especially. And we've had the joy of having my mom with us for the last couple of weeks. And uh, my dad comes in to, to ruin our spoiling of my mom today. But no, we're, we're thankful he's coming in. That's something that brings me great joy is to be with family. And so we get to have all of our Thelander family together this week. My brother and, and his family will be coming in as well. So that's something that I look forward to. It, it gives me great joy to have my family all together. I get to spend time with my brother and tell stories to my kids about how mean he was to me and uh, all of these things. And, and I just can't wait for my brother to get here and to spend time with him. You know, it brings me great pleasure and happiness in my life to know that I'm doing God's work. It makes me feel joyful and excited, and I give thanks that, that God has called me to such a ministry where it doesn't feel like I get to go to work, but I get to serve God faithfully in the church. I get great joy in knowing that God has blessed me to be your pastor, and I'm thankful for God's calling on my life. And I hope you can find that same calling, that same gifting, and be thankful for what you're doing for the Lord as well. I also believe that God gives us joy in things that aren't so important. And maybe I'm wrong here, but just bear with me, okay? Um, things that aren't so important, like a, a ball game. I love to be able to go to a ball game. 
I got to go to a ball game this week with my oldest son, and we got to go make a memory in a place that was new to us as he was checking out of school. And it just brought me great joy to sit there with Ian and to watch a ball game together. It brings me great joy. Never mind. Um, to have a good meal. I love when my wife cooks a home-cooked meal. I love when she makes our favorite food and we get to eat it and enjoy a meal around the table together. It brings me great joy to have those small moments to be thankful for. There there are moments that, that we can be thankful for and we can give thanks for as an expression of gratitude towards what God has blessed us with. Amen? I don't know about you, but we tend to give thanks for our meals. We sit down and we enjoy eating, and my wife has done a great job over the life of our, our, our family time together in our marriage. She made it a point. We are going to sit down for a meal together, and we try to do that every single day as a family, and, and, and we, we love it. It's become, it's become sacred space in our home. And I'm thankful for that. And so when we sit down, we'll usually sit down. And there's times when it's crazy busy and, and we're eating like we're older than we are at four in the afternoon to get to the next event. I don't know what it is. But when we sit down and we eat together, it's become habit, and I think a good habit, that we may have the assembly line set up and we go through and sit down. Nobody eats. They just sit there. And we sit down. We're like, we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. And sure enough, somebody will say, we need to pray. We need to give thanks. And so we give thanks for our food and our meals, and we, and we thank God for what he's given us and blessed us with. I don't know about you, but as I was praying even this morning in this time of prayer, I thank God for what he's going to do in Fred's life and the testimony that we're going to have and see. And we thank in advance for what God is doing. But how many times do we go back once he's actually done it? and are grateful for it. Lord, help us. We do give you thanks, and we, we, we claim victory ahead of time because we know you're able. But how many times when it actually happens do we go back and say, God, thank you once again for what you're doing. God, help us to be thankful, to have an attitude of thanksgiving in our life. Think about it for yourself today. What brings you joy in your life? What brings you happiness and pleasure? Do you remember to give thanks for your joy? Do you remember to have an attitude of prayer throughout your day and your life? I don't know about you, but there's times in our life where we use extreme words to describe certain things in our life. How many of you ever had somebody tell you, never use the word always or never? Anybody ever say that to you? Never, did you notice how I said, never use always or never. Extreme words. I've, I've preached a message on love before, and I say love is an extreme word because we've, we've taken it so far and, and thinned it out so much that people say I love this and that for so many different things. But there's many times we use extreme words to describe things, but do we really take that extremity to heart? Do we really believe it is that extreme to live out and to follow through with? Well, Paul shares some extreme commands with us that are not just suggestions. They're not just, would you please try to do this better? They are commands. 
Paul is telling this church in Thessalonica, and I believe he's telling us today, to remember some things and to continue on this journey by following three extreme commands. And I believe they can help us this week especially. Let's look at Paul's extreme commands. Number one, always be joyful. Always be joyful. We see it right there. Verse 16 says it kind of backwards to what I just said, but it says, rejoice always. Paul is admonishing. He is commanding the Christians in this church. We should always be joyful. We should always be expressing our happiness and our pleasure with what God has done in our life. This is not a suggestion. Paul is reminding the Christians in in Thessalonica, and I believe he's reminding us, God has done great things for us. This is a literal command. Always be joyful. Did you realize that Christian joy is not bound by our circumstances? In fact, in the New Testament, joy is usually coupled with sorrow and suffering. Why is that? You see, when sorrow and suffering come and we're identified as being a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit creates within us a supernatural joy that is unexplainable. You see, when we're called to follow Christ and He draws us to Himself through provenient grace and we walk that line with Him and then we come to a place in our life where we accept that gift of salvation and we receive His saving grace in our life. He continues to walk with us on this journey as we become more and more surrendered to Him and we experience that sanctifying grace in our life. And He continues to walk with us through His Holy Spirit and sustains us through all the sorrows, all the troubles, all the hurts in our life. Why? So we can always be joyful. You see, so many people think, and I think we get it out of balance when we talk about the Christian life. When you come to know the Lord, He's going to take, change your entire life, and He's going to transform you. And that is true, but sometimes we get that confused with being blessed and having everything good go our way. But what Christ is really calling us to is suffering. He says, take up your cross and follow me daily. When we take up our cross, that means we're dying out to self. Death is not fun. Death is not easy. Death, it's hard to be joyful in death. Yet, Paul is reminding us that when we're going through those moments of sorrow, when we're going through those moments of sadness, God's command for us as his followers is to always be joyful. Always be joyful. Being joyful is a choice. A deliberate response that focuses on the grace and goodness of God. How do we do that? How do we make this choice even in the midst of my sorrow? Well, I'm glad you asked because Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Wow. Keeping our eyes 
fixed on Him. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Romans 12.12, 12, Be glad, be joyful, for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble, and always be prayerful. Sometimes it's hard to be joyful when we're around people that I call basement people. Basement people are hard to be around. And I'm not going to, I see some of you nudging your spouse. Don't do that. That's, that's mean. My spouse isn't in here or she'd be jud- nudging me too. But basement people are hard to be around with. And, and, and I have, a, sometimes this time of year is hard for me. Because what brings me great joy is to be around my family and those that I'm related to. But I have some basement people in in my family. And they're hard to be around. You can have such a great time of Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and all the wonderful things about the holidays. And for some reason, some of these basement people just have a Grinch mentality, don't they? Bah humbug. It's hard to be joyful when you're around basement people. It's hard when people's negativity surrounds you and and you still got to put a smile on your face and be joyful and express your thankfulness and your gratefulness for what God is doing. It's hard to be around basement people and to continue to be joyful, to always be joyful. You see, that's kind of a small thing. Sometimes we can just walk away Sometimes we can change the subject. Sometimes we can do things to point out the positive. But there's many times in our life where we cannot change the circumstance. The sorrow is real. Death is real. The prognosis is real. But Paul reminds us, even in these issues, always be joyful. Always be joyful. God is with us. Amen? So here's the tough question. How are you doing? Being joyful is a choice. Are you choosing to give expressions of joy and happiness to God for what he's doing? The first extreme command, always be joyful. The second extreme command that Paul is talking to us about today is this, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Another command we have as Christians is one that I believe that many of us probably struggle with from time to time. And Paul's writing to the the first church there in Thessalonica, and he's writing to this early church, and he's reminding them, keep on praying. Another translation says, pray without ceasing. That's a pretty strong word. That's a pretty strong phrase. It's, It's one that a lot of preachers, probably including myself, at some point have taken out of context. We've used it to to guilt people into 24-hour prayer times or or 21 days prayer and fasting. And we're saying, pray without ceasing. This is easy. God tells us to do it. We should do it. But no, what Paul's reminding us is to keep on praying. Always be in a mindset of communication with God. It changes our life when we can continually be reminded that God wants to talk with us. You know, I'm so glad that my family's coming in and they're on my mind, so I'm talking about them a lot. And 
Uh, I'm thankful for that. But even this morning, Sunday is a special day in, in, in our home, and our family. As, as many of you know, my dad is a pastor. My brother's a pastor. And so Sunday, you know, we're working. You know, we, we found these jobs that we can work one day a week. It's wonderful. We just get up here and do this, and, and it's great. But however, I can't just call my dad and my brother on Sunday mornings because I know they're busy. I know they're working, and this morning I got to the office, and I started getting ready for today, and I just paused, and I was looking forward to my dad being here, and I sent him a message, and I said, Dad, I know you're going to preach well. Proclaim God's word with boldness. Can't wait to see you. I love you. You know, it was just that attitude of prayer. As I was praying for him and praying for my brother, he shoots back a text to me and says, You do the same, BJ. I can't wait to see you. I'm looking forward to it. What does that have to do with praying? Well, I was sitting in my office praying for those that I love, praying for those that I know are are under it, are are getting ready to go and to, to do what God has called them to do. And, you know, it can happen to us as well as we go about our day throughout our day here in, in our community. How many of you go through the line at Walmart and pray for your cashier? Now, I'm not saying you stop there and stop the whole line. Sometimes God will lead you to do that, and you should do that. But I don't know about you. There's times when I walk in and I can see an, a transaction that's not going well. Sandy knows what I'm talking about. And I just sit there and I say, God, would you please be over that situation? Would you please bring calmness and peace? Maybe you're driving down, down Washington and you get into one of those Pittsfield traffic jams where you got to wait for at least three or four cars. It's miserable, isn't it? And instead of saying, man, I'm, gotta, I'm in a hurry. I should have left sooner. We could say, you know what, God, would you just bless them on their way? Would you help me to be patient in this moment to continue to pray. You see, Paul knew what he was talking about. He's giving a command that was not easy even for himself. Paul was busy doing God's work. He was a busy missionary. And when he wrote about the Christians' daily responsibilities, it wasn't a command to just stop everything, go in your prayer closet, and pray without stopping. That was not his command. His command was, whatever you're doing, have an attitude of communication with your Lord. We must go through our day in an attitude of communication with our Lord, our Father, our Savior, our Sustainer. I'm so thankful that when I have an attitude of prayer and I lift up a prayer to the Father that I don't have to wait for the little three dots that say He's writing me back. I don't have to wait for Him to pick up the phone and answer and say, BJ, I'm so glad you called. I don't have to wait for that. Why? Because I can continually be in communication with the Father. Aren't you glad for that today? He meets us in our closet, and He meets us in our commute. He meets us in those moments where we can set aside time, and we can be thankful and proud of the time we're spending with God, and He meets us in those fleeting moments where we say, God, you know I'm in a hurry. You know I'm busy. You know what life's doing, but I love you, and I need your help today. He still loves us. Amen? To keep our eyes fixed on Him. This extreme command is not a suggestion. It is a command to continually be in 
communication with God. Continually express our joy. Continually give thanks as we walk with the Lord. How many of you have ever tried to to block out and sit down and I'm going to pray today the entire day? And you plan ahead and you block off a day and and you say, you tell the family, you tell whoever's going to interrupt you, no, today is me and God. Or maybe you haven't been able to put aside a whole day and you're thinking, you know what, I just need an hour. An hour to just talk with God uninterrupted, no issues. And sometimes we get into those moments where we think we're going to do good and we try our hardest and we try our best to do it and to fulfill it because we know God's going to speak to us in those moments. And yet the enemy comes in and starts to distract us. The enemy taps us on our shoulder and says, you know what, you need to go do this for that person. You remember that? You told them you were going to do that. You need to go do that. Or, you know, your, your family really needs you right now. Don't you hear what's going on outside of this room? And you need to go help and see what's happening. And the enemy can come in and distract us even with good things. I'm a to-do list person. So in those moments where I set aside time and say, God, I need it to just be you and me. It never fails. It never fails that my to-do list begins to start rolling in my mind. That I start to get distracted with what the next thing is on my list. And so God has given me grace in those moments to put my to-do list right next to my Bible or my journal as I'm praying, as I'm reading, as I'm in that communication with God and the enemy tries to tempt me with something good to get me off track, I can just go over to my list and jot it down, put it aside, and keep on praying. Keep on seeking the Lord. You see, we must continue to keep on praying. As followers of Christ, it's a way we express our thankfulness. It's a way we express our joy. And I'm here to tell you, if you can keep this command, the more we pray, the more opportunity we will have to be thankful. The more we pray, the more opportunity we will have to be thankful. Why is that? I always wonder, you know, (laughs) when I got married, I was a little bit scared to get married because I thought Alicia and I would run out of things to talk about. Anybody ever think that about before you got married? I'm the only one. Are you serious? Wow. Never mind, I guess. I'll move on to the next next point. There's times in my walk with the Lord that I, I wonder, you know, God, you know it all already. Why do I need to stop and tell you? But the more that I talk to him, the more that I pray, the more that I seek his face, he reminds me of all that he's done for me. He reminds me of what he's doing and what he's working out, and it gives me opportunity to be thankful all the more. Paul says, always be joyful. Keep on praying. And finally, the last command that Paul gives us is this. Always be thankful. Always be thankful. Another translation of verse 18 says, no matter what, Always be thankful. No matter what, that takes this command to a whole nother level. The Bible says, in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. When we do this, we will constantly have opportunity to give thanks. When God is working, we will be able to be thankful. Amen? We should be thankful in every situation.
in every condition, even in our adversity, in our valley moments, we should be thankful in our great mountaintop experiences too. I think sometimes in my life I forget to give God thanks for the blessings. Many times I pray in faith and I give thanks for what God is going to do, but as I mentioned earlier, when He does it, there's times that I forget to give thanks again. How can we say thankful, be thankful and say thanks for those difficult times in our life? How can we say thank you to God when we're facing a financial difficulty and we don't see how the ends are going to get met and yet God provides a way? Do we stop and say, thank you, God? How do we say thank you when we're going into a relationship or we're in a relationship and, and it's struggle and it's struggle after struggle and it continues to get worse and worse and, and we sit there and say, God, how can I be thankful for this? But when God answers the prayer, are we giving him thanks? When the relationship is mended, do we give him thanks? When God makes a way, do we say thank you? How do I give thanks when the doctor comes in and says it's cancer? How do I give thanks when the family member passes? How do we give thanks when we're dealing with hard things? Paul says, no matter what, always be thankful. Well, it's easy to stop there. And to say, this is good stuff, this is a promise, this is a command, we should do this, do better at this. But why? Why? No matter what, always be thankful. Why? Well, this is the next part. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever prayed for God's will to be done? Would you just show me your hands? Raise them up high. God's will to be done. I want God's will to be done. And we pray that, and we mean it when we pray it. God, I want your will to be done. And, and yet, there's times when we pray that prayer that we're thinking in a specific human box that we put God in. Or at least that's how I work. God, I need your will in this situation. And we pray according to what we think is best. God, would your will be done in my box? Would your will be done in my situation so you can do it in a way that I understand it, that I see it. Do it in my little box so that I can give you thanks. That's not what God's saying to us. He says, what's my will for you is that you're always joyful, that you pray continually, and you'll always be thankful. Well, pastor, that does nothing for my job situation. That does nothing for my family situation. That does nothing for the call of God on my life. Yes, it does. Always be joyful. Pray continually and always be thankful. Why? Because this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Pastor, that's not just going to do much for me if I do that. I don't see how that's going to help. You remember those basement people we were talking about earlier? Sometimes we interact with basement people more than we realize. Somebody will come to us with a 
a negative situation or a negative thing or they'll say something mean to us or, or they may just have a bad attitude. And if you're a Christ follower, you have a couple different options. You can jump right in and, and join the bandwagon and, and just jump on the negativity train and make them feel better about themselves because misery loves company, right? Or God's will for you as a Christ follower is to always be joyful. What if you turn their negativity back into joy, an expression of happiness for what God is doing? Or maybe it's such a a dire need and they say, you know what, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Oh, I do. Let's pray about it. Pray continually. Or they're negative and they just keep going on and on. Oh, this is not going right. That's not going right. I wish I had better this or better that. It's like, man, aren't you thankful that you're still alive? Aren't you thankful that you have an opportunity to change it? Aren't you thankful that you know a God who's bigger than your circumstance? Always be thankful for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5.20 says, And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These statements by Paul are not suggestions. He uses extreme words that we try to avoid, but he's intentional. And I pray that as we embark on this season that we go through every single year, amen, we have a chance to be thankful. I'm so glad whoever came up with this idea had it together and had it right. At a time of year when it's busy and it's chaotic and things are just so crazy, We get to pause this week. (laughs) And we get a choice to make. Are we going to just treat it as a suggestion? Put it aside? Are we going to take God's word to heart? And apply his commands to our life? Always be joyful. This week, if the turkey gets burned, be joyful. If the oven quits, start praying. If the mashed potatoes show up late, be thankful. (laughs) Always be joyful. Keep on praying and always be thankful. The question becomes, once again, how will you do This week? How do these commands impact your life? Are you good at being joyful? Do you keep praying? Are you always giving thanks? Would you ask God today to help you to be more aware of His presence in your life so that you can follow these commands? As we get ready to to close today and to, to go our separate ways, I want you to imagine something with me this morning. Imagine the future with me this morning. If all of us in this room just alone, there's probably 120, 130 of us in here this morning. If every single one of us that claims to be a follower of Christ would live according to His will that we just heard about, how much better... Could we enjoy life 
when we follow these extreme commands? How much better would life be in the world around us when we as Christ followers are always joyful? We keep on praying and we're always thankful. Would you stand with me this morning? God, as we go to you, come to you in prayer in this moment, as we conclude this message and we close our Bibles, but we continue to ponder what you've spoken to us today in this attitude of prayer, Lord, I ask that you would just clear everybody's minds and hearts about the next thing. In this moment, God, would you just take control? Would you have your way in these next few moments? We prepare our hearts to hear from you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you have, a, you have trouble expressing joy. You have trouble showing happiness and joy because of what God's doing in your life. Would you just ask God to come and to help you to follow this command because every good thing comes from above? Maybe you're here this morning and, and your prayer life is pretty weak. You're struggling to pray and you don't know what to pray and it's, you, you, you compare yourself or, or you get down on yourself or the enemy's beating you up and maybe in this moment God's reminding you, my child, I love you. I just want to talk to you. Would you keep an attitude of prayer with me? Would you keep the communication line open? This week when things aren't going well, would you reach out to me? Can you hear the Father just saying, my child, would you talk to me, please? I want to hear your voice. I want to help you. God, would you help us to keep this command? Maybe you're here this morning and you have trouble giving thanks. Maybe in your life you're somebody that just struggles to th say thank you in general. God, would you make it clear to us today? that no matter where we're at on this journey, these commands are the same for all of us. Help us to be joyful. Help us to keep focused and talking to you. And Lord, we will continue to turn the thanks back to you, to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise that you deserve. We love you today. We ask you, Lord, as we go from this place, that you would give us opportunity to apply the truth of your word in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Have a great day. God bless you as you go.